Okay, good morning. This is uh, the lesson on Naaman. I can't remember the number. What's the number? Five. This is lesson number five, the story of Naaman. So this is the story of the healing of Naaman. Naaman the Aramean was a commander of the armies of Ben-Hadid II, the king of Aram Damascus, in the time of Joram, the king of Israel. According to scripture, Naaman was a commander of the army of Syria. He was a good commander and was held in favor because of the victory that God brought him. Yet Naaman was a leper. Naaman is the main character, but let me introduce you the other characters of the story. There's Elisha. In the time of the divided kingdom, according to scripture, Elisha was a prophet and a wonder worker of the northern kingdom of Israel, who was active during the reign of Joram, Jehu, Joahaz, and Johash. Say that three times real fast. <laughs> Elisha was the son of Shaphat, a wealthy landowner of Abel Menholah. He became the attendant and disciple of Elijah. And at Elijah's death, he asked Elisha, Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Then we have the unnamed Jewish girl who was taken into slavery after the Arameans raided the land of Israel. She became the servant girl to serve Naaman's wife. So I'd like to unpack the journey of each of these people and what they tell us about our lives today. First, Naaman. Looks like Naaman had it made. He was victorious in battle, had a wife and many servants. He had money. He was respected and highly esteemed by all. He had the king's favor. Sound like he had it all. He also had leprosy. So there was a little darkness in Naaman's life. Now in scripture, it sounds like he had just one spot. So it could be that he could hide it. Makes me think of how social media people make their lives look great online, hiding the bad stuff. I'm sure each of us have had times of, in our lives where we put on a brave face while hiding some worry or struggle. Obviously, this leprosy was worrisome and the talk of the whole household. I can imagine that Naaman's wife voiced her concern so that those around her, uh, to those around her, since it was the Jewish slave girl who knew enough about the situation to volunteer information about the prophet who lived in Samaria and could cure Naaman. So what about this slave girl? What, we, what can we say about her? She obviously had faith in the Lord. She experienced war. Very likely her home and family were destroyed. She's definitely in a foreign land with some very different people. I often wondered why she would offer a solution to her captor's problem. But in praying about the scripture for the commentary, I put myself in her shoes. She's very alone. She's young. She's scared. Her livelihood is dependent on her captor's health and well-being. So her living situation definitely has some darkness. But she does have the light of faith. It is the one thing she does have. It's the one thing no one can take from her. And for whatever reason, she shares her faith with Naaman's wife by telling of the faith-filled prophet in her homeland. 
So let's encounter the prophet Elisha and see if we can come into the light. Naaman's encounter with Elisha is an interesting one. Naaman rides up in splendor to the house of Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even come out to meet him. He just sends a message to go wash in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be made clean. Does that remind you of anything? We just heard about John the Baptist last week, baptizing in the Jordan to be made clean. In any case, I picture this scene with some humor. Naaman is used to people giving him favor, and Elisha is possibly just giving directions out through a window. Elisha, a prophet of few words, humble and faithful to God. In the meantime, Naaman is outraged. He expected something grander, something spectacular. What he got was mundane and ordinary. How many times have we wanted our Lord to act in a grand way, only to realize it is in the whisper of the wind that you hear his voice? It is in the quiet of the prayer that you get the answer. It is in a simple kindness from someone else that you realize God is with us. So, Naaman, go wash. He's about to stomp off, but even his servants say, look, if the prophet had said go and do some heroic act, you would. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Go wash. Can you see Naaman stomping off and reluctantly getting into the river? But he did, and he was healed physically. And also through this healing, he came into the light spiritually. He came to realize the one true God. And he wants to give Elisha all the earthly treasures he brought with him, and Elisha refuses. He's not serving God for money. He's serving God to give glory to God. Naaman promises to only worship the one true God of Israel and asks for two mule loads of earth in order to take it home and worship on holy ground. I find that fascinating. Don't we always want to bring something home from a trip to remind us where we were, to remind us of the things that we did? He then realizes he's in a tight spot. He has a job that puts him in a position of having to bow to a pagan god. How many times do we find ourselves in a position of dealing with worldly things that go against the spiritual things? Naaman asks forgiveness for this situation, and Elisha understands and tells Naaman to go in peace. So Naaman has seen the light. He is no longer in darkness of illness, nor in the dark spiritually. What about our little Jewish girl? Will she continue living in darkness of a foreign land as a slave? Well, Naaman comes home with two mule loads of sacred ground, her land. Though it's not written in scripture as to what happens next, it sounds like Naaman plans on worshiping God, the God of this Jewish girl. Maybe, just maybe, she now has the opportunity to worship her Lord in freedom. Maybe she now has the chance to teach Naaman's household about the one true God. The act of sharing her faith with others may have given her the opportunity to continue to shine for the Lord. So what insight do we gain from this story? I think there's a lot. When we experience darkness, do we let go of our faith or do we cling to it? 
Do we keep it to ourselves, or do we boldly share it with others like the Jewish slave girl did? When we're sick or in a situation that is not in our control, do we humble ourselves before God and follow his instruction? It took some convincing, but Naaman finally did humble himself and receive healing. Do we serve the Lord and ask for nothing in return, like Elisha? Elisha knew that God had given him the ability to heal, and he offered it without any desire or expectations of getting anything in return. So for me, I pray to be bold and share my faith with others no matter what I'm going through. To be humble and receive healing from the Lord and serve the Lord with the purpose of bringing his light to others. And this is my prayer for you as well. So let's just pray for a minute. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your healing power. We thank you, Lord, for the lesson of this little Jewish girl and her brave sharing of her faith. We thank you, Lord, for Naaman, who is an example of what it means to humble yourself and follow your instruction. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together and study your word. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Though we have uh, lessons from Alicia and Naaman, I would like to share a song that, to me, would be sung by the little Jewish slave girl called Take Courage by Christine DeMarco. <laughs> 